Hey, Redmond. Here you go, mate. It's Simon. Oh, fuck. That's so stupid. Hang on. Let me start again. Good. Fuck. (laughs) Okay. On three. Simo and Redmond are the thong slappers. They're two blokes making lots of noise but getting nowhere fast. Hey, g'day folks, this is Simon and welcome to episode 20 of the Thong Slappers 2020 Vision. That's pretty much us, isn't it, Red? It is 20 at a, uh, at a shot. Um, welcome back to Australia's first and only dedicated streetcar podcast. So up to number Thanks 20. for having me. Simon, what's going on? Lots of what's a catch up. What have you been doing? Mate, I've been busier than a one-legged ass kicker, I've got to say. Um, look, I, I don't even know where to start. Seriously, my life is just like one big fucking annoying game of Tetris where I'm trying to jam all these things into certain pockets of time, day in, day out, and um, at the end of the day, I just feel like I've accomplished nothing. <laughs> so, <laughs> nothing really to report, mate. What about yourself? What have you been up to? That's why, that's why I don't try as much. You are a bit of an overachiever. You get a heap done, but take my advice, and when you've got a heap of stuff to do, just don't be arsed. Just go, oh, you know what, I can't be fucking arsed. Just don't do it. It's a, it's a solid plan, man. It's worked fucking really well. Um, what have I been doing? <sighs> this morning, yes. I decided to take the Jack Russells for a jog, which is a, my own mm. fault there. It's like, dead set, it's like jogging with three whippersnippers running full speed at the end of the leads. They are just absolute maniacs. Yeah, they always override the governor, don't they, Jack Russells? They're always just well, on the max. What was a bit different? We jogged past the drug house. There's a drug house down the bottom of what do you call it, the suburb I live in, and they clearly sell drugs. They've got shit pulled apart in the yard and all sorts of crap going. What, see three people oh, Commodores car. and stuff? Is it like VNs and shit? Or no, actually, it'd be VTs by now. Is it like heaps of VTs in the yard? Well, we get we do a commentary on it, Deb and I, when we drive past. He's like, oh, he's given the outboard motor another go. Now he's got Kenny there, and she's pulled apart a bit more. And then the other day, we drove past every morning, and there was a shade sail up. He put it on the go, mate. So he's put it up and off. But this morning, I think the joke was on me, because I went past the drug house, one of my dogs that ran between my legs, and a fucking car oh, wheel, no. dog rustles everything, a whole lot <laughs> drug house. So I'm like... Everybody else get them fucking drug ass me and these dogs going. And this one, I don't know what his homeless guy comes across and gets fucked. All right, mate. <laughs> you know what the funniest part about that whole thing was? I was listening to your promise. Hang on, so mate, just as you started talking about the drug house, the old poor network connection came up and you started talking. It's like you visited the drug house. Are you sure you didn't like trip up the stairs into the drug house or fall in a few needles in the front yard oh well, i think he's going to go and tell him does he want a hand to pull something else apart fuck it <laughs> to see the the destruction a couple of guys on drugs can do on night shift i'm like realistically if you guys just come to work and done a bit of night shift you know probably kill two birds with one stone get a bit done and you could pull apart everything but i think the council gets on his back and they clean it up a little bit so red yeah i don't know mate life gets complicated with drug houses and jogging Jack Russells and trying to do stuff when you're living the Tetris life. Mate, but what have you been up to? Please enlighten me with something exciting. Well, I'll tell you something exciting. I find it quite exciting. I bought a razor. You know one of them razors that you undo the tea piece and you put the little razor in it and you make up the little soap and everything and the, with the little brush and everything? Yeah, yeah, as in, yeah, like real old school. My dad used to shave like that, yeah. Yeah, so, well, I'm, I'm feeling as old school as the guy that sharpens, you know, Johnny Cash's chainsaw or something. I've been... No, I feel like drinking whiskey in the morning and black coffee and driving the Lincoln Continental, but no, it's just from one little razor. Are you going to open a barber shop? I think I'm going to serve uh, gin out of, you know, and tappers out of old barber cups or whatever, and, you know, do bourbon, beef, uh, oh, bourbon, beef, okay. bourbon, beer balm or some shit. You've been giving this hey, way too much thought. About, yeah, I've had a bit of last bit of time to myself, but hey, have you had a chance to grab the new street machine magazine? Mate, I sure have. And um, I've got to say, very impressive, this issue. And, you know, like normally, I, I'm, I'm very prepared with the cover shot today, but I don't think I've ever remembered there being an issue where they've done back-to-back same colour cars on the front. So, you know, it's very cool. But, look, before we get into that, can I just quickly just broach onto something? First of all, I must make apologies, not really to anyone, because no one's going to really know that we forgot to talk about it. But 1983, can you believe we didn't talk about red gums? I was only 19, especially in that you and I had a phone conversation prior to recording 
all of those episodes on 1983, and we didn't give that song, like, just acknowledge it from that time. Do you remember us even talking about it's it? Not- and we just completely and utterly fucking forgot about it to acknowledge that for that time period. Yeah, I, I, think that, I think that's not because we um, we forgot about it. I just think we couldn't be asked. <laughs> we definitely had a conversation. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I completely forgot good. about it. I just, I just relied on my memory. That was the first mistake. And then, was it, you know, it's funny. That song, like obviously Red Gum, it was you know, hugely popular at the time. But the reason I kind of remember that so well is when I was in high school, it's probably a few years later, I don't know, probably... 1989 or 1990 for my English class I had to actually get up and I had to recite a poem and I had to actually explain what the poem was all about like sort of dissect it line by line and explain what it was all about and of course you know me being me I left everything to the last fucking minute and the like the night before I actually had to go and present this the next morning I went into the state library in, in Brisbane this is back in the days, you remember? You had to actually go to a library and you had to borrow books. You couldn't just Google shit on your phone and, like, yeah. plagiarise everything. You actually had to find shit. If you're going to plagiarise, you actually had to at least write it out in your own handwriting to start with. I mean, seriously, these days, mate of mine who's a teacher, he says half the time kids who plagiarise, they don't even make all the fonts in the assignments the same. <laughs> so he said one minute you're reading 12-point Arial, and then it suddenly becomes 12-point New Times Roman. Like, they're that bad at plagiarising and copying that they don't even get the fucking fonts the same. So anyway, I digress. But as you know, all of us old-school people, we used to have to actually physically go to the library and try and find a fucking book in those bloody cards to see if they even existed. And I I got this poetry book, and amongst this poetry book I'm reading through it was actually I Was Only 19, like by Red Gum. It was actually in their class as a poem. So I did that, and the next day at school, I'm reciting it. And I'm trying to just say it, but do you know how hard it is to read a poem, which is actually a song, but you're reading it as a poem, and not start singing it, especially when you get to the chorus? <laughs> my good mate Chris McKenzie, he afterwards he said, I guess, I guess I just wanted to start singing it with you. You know, it was a bit of a laugh, but, man, it was a really interesting song, especially when you, I guess, dissect what it was actually all about and what all the, the lines mean and all the rest of it. And, um, yeah, that's why I kind of remember it, except when we actually were going to talk about it for 1983. But, mate, yeah, it was definitely a um, definitely a big hit for the time too. Well, I've got, yeah, a few thoughts around that. You know what the stack section is at the library? Stack. Yeah, the stack section. If you, Negative. If you ask for a book out of stack. It's a rude, you know, it's got root and worries in it, or it's got a rude section in it. So most libraries have oh. a stack book. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. You line up to the library and you go, can I get this out of stack? And it's like 101 positions of carbon fish or something. Wow, well, well, you know. But, but anyway, that's what Wow. Um, oh, was that probably, probably as bad as it got for us. Sorry, man. Probably as bad. It was probably maybe a National Geographic, like a naked pygmy or something. It's probably about as extensive as it got at the old Gap High School. I still like that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, so, uh, the thing about Red Gum, I was only 19, so when you suggested we we'll drag it back out and have a yarn, I gave the album a spin. I've just got best off. I've actually got it on record. Right. No, I don't. I'm just trying to sound like a total twat that actually has records. I've just got it on, <laughs> on uh, my iTunes. And just, I just wanted to sound like... Oh. Looks like I'm going to lend you my record player. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say that it's not like a total twat, but when I have a listen to some of my Red Gums, other songs like Gladstone Pierce, Stewie, Spirit of the Land, Poor Old Ned and Dusty Diamantina, some of it was even good. Some of it was lyrically fairly good. Somebody, a friend... Uh, a friend of ours is in the uh, Defence Force, and they said they're over in East Timor. So when was that? About 2000 or something over there. And John Schumann, the lead, yeah. the lead singer of Red Gum, he done two for the ADF, and he obviously sang that song. The guys were saying yeah. it's quite quite funny. The, uh, my friend that was in the audience says quite funny because after a couple of songs and stuff, John settled down a bit. He goes, look, really sorry, I used to bang on so much. <laughs> Because I didn't realise, you know, how much I used to bang on. And that's a problem with political rock. It does bang on, like guys like um, U2 or Bob Dylan or... Um, Midnight Oil. Midnight Oil. They've ultimately got no teeth. And that's that's actually... Well, that's one thing that Midnight Oil, Peter Garrett would have found, that it's far easier to just sell catchy tunes with a, a decent backbeat than actually dictate policy and get up there and have a go. All the others have managed to avoid it, like Bono. <laughs> and um, All the other guys manage to do political rock as you do it. You know, sit back and point. What is it? It's far better to be the harpoon than the whale, isn't that? The same? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That's right, and mate, didn't he cop it when he actually ended up in politics? What was that over the um, insulation scheme? I think he just became the big scapegoat for that. I don't really know much about politics. I don't follow it. I don't really care to follow it. But yeah, I think I just I, I remember think... thinking, man, I bet this. I bet he wasn't thinking this is what it was all going to be all about. Well, that's right. That's what I mean. Everybody else from you, know, Bob Dylan, Woody Guthrie, um, you two. Uh, who is that the political? I just can't think at the moment. But they manage to keep away from policy, just stand back and be pretty cool and point, you know. So that's uh, another great uh, memory that comes from only 19. Have you seen the Australian movie Odd Angry Shot with Graham Kennedy? No. No, I haven't. No. It's about a group of SAS soldiers in Vietnam. And it's Graham, oh, okay. And it's Graham Kennedy. So, bang, there you go. It's Brian Brown. I'm pretty sure he's in. Yeah. Oh, it does ring a bell, but I can't remember ever yeah. seeing it. I'll have to put it on my on my to, to-do list. Yeah, it's worth having a, a look at that. But, yeah, that, that kind of uh, matches really well with uh, the Red Gum song. But, yeah, Red Gum are pretty good. I kind of didn't mind. It was good to, to put it on, have a bit of a listen to it the other day. Like I said, political rock ages in it. Other thing that you said you had to read out a um, – read that Red Gum song end up being a poem that you had to read out. And it was a song. I yeah. Most lyricists are poets. I think that's where most of the lyrics come from. Maybe when uh, radio became popular in the early 20s in America and stuff, I think that was also a video killed radio star. That's fun, mate. Before that, I think the radio or the wireless killed the poet because I think poetry was a lot popular and a lot more commercially produced than music because music wasn't popular music. It was operatic music. It was all that kind of stuff. But when it became popular and a bit upbeat and you could write lyrics into it that were decent i think that kind of killed off a few of the poets too so that's how i tie in poetry and lyrics you know it's funny you're a far smarter and wise than anyone gives you credit for i've got to tell you like you impress me to no end when we have these conversations because the stuff you say it's like a really interesting slant like you have a really good idea of this sort of stuff and that's something i'd never even considered before so yeah but it is funny you say like I would never have thought to do a song as a poem. It was only because I happened to see that in a poetry book, and I'm flicking through it, like, starting to go, oh, shit, like, what am I going to do? Mary had a little lamb. I can talk about the fleece being white as snow, being the colour of the wool. Would you do, like, the, would you do the rude part about when it jumps over the charcoal? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> <laughs> Mary, Mary had a little lamb that's like as charcoal or something. <laughs> You know, I think in the end, though, because I got that into it that night, and I sat down, and my dad was giving me a hand with it, and he's sort of, you know, obviously just talking about because I didn't really know what I was doing, and he's helping me do the working out what the different lines, you know, meant and the thoughts behind it. Like, there's a line there. It's, um, Frankie kicked a mine the day that mankind kicked the moon. Like, so it's 969, and he's saying, like, my dad was explaining to me, he goes, well, look, you think about that. He goes... Mankind, they were landing on the moon, so the, the, as a planet, the Earth was moving ahead in leaps and bounds, like progressing so far ahead. Whereas Frankie kicking the mine and blowing up, like on the surface of Earth or here, we were going backwards, but we're excelling forwards at the same time. Like you said, it's so, it's that mix, and it's sort of, I remember it like so clearly now, all that song, and because of that, and because of what sort of um, stuff it, I guess, it kind of meant. Yeah, that Vietnam song ties in well. There's some common stuff, even Bruce Springsteen's big hit, whatever. What's the line in his, um, they're still there and he's all gone, talking about his brother in Saigon or whatever. So, yeah, it's it's definitely from that time uh, current. Sure. Yeah. I guess moving on from that, speaking of things that start with the letter R, we probably just want to have a quick chinwag about the Running on Empty Festival, a good mate, Benny Hewlett, who um, shared episode 14. Mate, look, we're actually recording this the Monday, like it, the festival finished, the Saturday just gone, so we are recording a couple of days after, and I tell you what, if I didn't, like, I just knew it was going to be an amazing event, and I was having, you know, like, withdrawals and drawbacks from not actually being able to attend, and I'm sure I know you would sort of been the same boat but having seen photos filtering through and you think and you know look from from all accounts from all the reports it went off really well it was a great time had by all and really got to tip our hat to benny for putting on such an amazing event we just don't wish we could have been there to to share in it so you know good on you benny mate like that's that's fantastic and i hope you got everything out of it that you wanted and i hope that you were able to raise enough funds you know to help with the world war one memorial too yeah, it's, it's incredible. That guy's got so much <clears throat> so much energy. And when we bring him on, we're going to bring him on and have a chat about it. We, I don't know what he's going to do, what I'm going to do. So I'll just briefly, what I know about the Running on Empty Festival, it was uh, 
sending me texts and stuff. Called laundromat here. I took my black texter, and on Thursday night, I think it was, I wrote any any problems with these washing or dry machines. Phone Benny, and I put Benny Hewitt's mobile number. <laughs> and I sent him a photo, and he reckons it's Saturday morning. He has fifteen fuck. What the fuck is wrong with him? <laughs> Because I'm not busy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I, I messaged him. I messaged him last week and said, "Listen, mate, I'll just talk to you next week. Like, just when the dust settles, look, all the best of the event. We'll have a chat to you next week. And what we are actually going to do, probably around episode 22, we're going to get Benny on to join us. We're going to do another one of our Thong Slapper Three Ways." And we're going to have Benny on. We're going to do a recap of the event. So he'll be able to tell us all, you know, in true form, exactly how it all went down and what happened. So, mate, but all accounts that look great. And one, good on Benny. You know, he's a champion. One great comment he sent me through, which I I didn't want to post, but I wanted to post. And I didn't want to mention last Monday morning, Ben Hewitt, him and one other guy. And I went, man, like big knuckles, tap 5.30 a.m. I didn't want to say this on the podcast. Hey, someone else has listened to it who shouldn't be, I don't know, his wife. <laughs> But um, <laughs> he was a lot. That's pretty good for a promoter and for an organizer, man, to get out there. That's what Benny's a thong slap. So that's what a thong slap is prepared to do. If you guys have events and you need somebody to drink, I've offered to drink for Street Machine before. Remember when Scotty and Telf used to do that Friday afternoon show and they'd have a beer or two and then talk about what happened during the week? Yeah, yeah, like a bench racing thing. Yeah. Bench racing. Yeah. I always used to think they didn't drink enough. Like, have one or two drinks to turn them. I thought, you. Guys need to get fucking somebody in there who can drink, and I just go in there and just. Stand. <laughs> Hello, we're back. Yeah, we're back. Keep going. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I was on about. So, um, you were saying get get in there and start smashing drinks back, so the show basically, you know, it starts to dwindle the longer it goes. That's what I, I told them before that I've um I've volunteered to go to drag week as a drinker. I mean, there's guys that have to drive. There's mechanics. There's uh, your officials. There's your helpers. Your hanger honorers. Your wankers. Your shank grippers. Yes, bitches, <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll be the drag. Look at that fucking useless fuck. <laughs> so you're going to be like the, the court useless fuck, not the court jester. And it'd just be like every other day, but I'd be at drag week. It's only like... Well, that's right. Like The scenery would be awesome. The the action would be awesome. Drag week starts very soon, basically. I think it's probably only not even two weeks now. And I just I just live for those video updates. Like and having covered Drag Challenge for Street Machine magazine early this year, I know how busy the guys work and basically they're at the meet all day and they're into, you know, up on the computers, writing stories, downloading video, chopping up video till it's kind of the wee hours of the morning. I think Telf was running at about two hours sleep a night, if that lasts for the Drag Challenge weekend or so. You know, make sure you cut these guys some slack if you're hanging for updates like I am you just got to at least give them a day to try and get them out. Because these guys and girls, they bust their asses to, to bring that, I guess, entertainment to us. Especially to, I think I think it was Broads, actually, who coined it really well. He said, mate, we've got to feed the social media machine. And that just has rung in my ears ever since sort of him saying that. And that's what they do. Get all the information, do all the recording, take all the photos, and then once the event's over, they aren't sitting out the front of the motel having drinks like they probably want to be with all the competitors and having a good old time. you know. And hey, look, it is their job. It's what they do. They're not complaining about it, but they bust their asses to, to get information out and videos out and updates out for us. So I just look forward to seeing those. And such a great event kicks off, like I said, in just under a couple of weeks. I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about it once it's all run and done. All the updates and all that stuff are free. They're free for, for us, as is this podcast, I guess. But all of that stuff is free. You get on, you get onto YouTube Street Machine. You get onto uh, which car, which is streetmachine.com, and that stuff. It's all free. Bang! What do you want? Fuck. Yeah, that's exactly right. What car, and what, what drag uh, week car would you do in Australia? Sorry, is in my own personal car, or if I had the choice, what would I, what would I do it with? Yeah, just by the power vested in fiction, just. Pick your car. Oh shit! Doesn't have to be yours. Doesn't okay. To be, it doesn't even have to be this. Doesn't even have to be. All right. Look, I think for me, shit. So I'm a bit on the spot here. Look, I think at the end of the day, I'd go for something like, I'd go for something like a station wagon, right? Something capable. Okay. Here we go. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to run a Valiant Safari wagon, like say a VG Valiant Safari wagon, 
with either an LS power or some sort of maybe big block riser. You know what, even a stroke of small block, like um, guy know Ben, who's from Tasmania, he runs his, Ben Walker, he runs his stroke of small block hardtop for um, Drag Week, Drag Challenge. He's back this year with his car. He raced a couple of years ago. He's got a Jerry Cooper built 408 stroke of small block. I'd probably do that. So I'm going to run a Jerry Cooper 408 in a VG Valiant station wagon. And the reason I'm choosing a station wagon is I want to have a tow bar so I can actually tow my dog wash trailer, even though it doesn't meet the rules, but this is the power vested in fiction. So I'm going to, I want to be able to tow a trailer, but I want to have enough room inside. So if I'm taking passengers or friends, we've got room to all sit and relax, but also have room up the back to put all our luggage and crap. So when you get to the tracks, I mean, look, like watching Mike Finnegan at the Hot Rod Drag Week in his awesome, I love that blasphemy, 55 Gasser, being a Gasser fan, of course. He didn't tow a trailer. They just loaded everything into that car. So each time they got to the track, they had to unload everything, rain, hail, or shine. He had to swap out the springs in his coilovers in the back. So he's obviously changing from street setup to race setup and a few other bits and pieces. Because I'm eternally lazy, I just want to get to the track, unhook my trailer, throw all the bags and shit out of the back and race and then hook up and go. That's and cool. so that's probably what I'd do. I'd probably go, yeah, I think either an LS-powered VG Valiant wagon or a Stroker Small Block-powered wagon. That'd be me. How about yourself, mate? I'd, I'd have to opt out and just, I know it's not classical, but I'd go for a uh, LSA Malou, something fairly late model. So and I'd put the dirt bike. Oh, yeah. I'd put the dirt bike or the BMX or the road bikes or something cool in the back. Not chocolate. I wouldn't fill it full of chocolate. Oh, well, I'm not coming then. I'd like, yeah, an LSA Malou say 10 second with a tune a chip and all the bits and pieces but really comfortable and fun so if it got yeah. down would you tow a trailer with that or not worry about it would you just chuck nah. all your shit in the back yeah i just yeah my shit in the back i take another set of wheels and i don't know enough about drag racing times and setups and stuff to say i need to put different tires on when i get to the track but just be cool in my loot you know you got the bipedal loud pipes the road section would be really fun because you've got something that's decent on the road and with the lsa you can pull the shit out anyway i mean we could do this for any different car. We could say, right, well, what would you do if you had to do a classic? What would you do if you had to do 10 seconds? What would you do if you had to do, you know, something yeah, stock? Yeah, but, um, That's something yeah. Cool. Well, look, I think the combination I chose is basically, look, obviously I like Chryslers, so I'd go Valiant. I like Aussie Chryslers especially. I want a wagon because I want room, and I want to tow a trailer. That's probably kind of what it comes down to for me, but, you know, I'm not out to set the world on fire with anything you know, as far as times go, of course it'd be oh. nice to go quick, but I'd just like to have a consistent. If you could have something running high tens, low elevens, I'd probably be happy with that, mate. I'd just be there for the fun and the camaraderie with people too. I think. Exactly, but like if I could choose a car to go in, and I'd choose Arby's car. But if you let me drive, you just go. Where'd that guy go? My fucking valley, and I'd just fuck off. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. Hey, um, speaking too of, of things, and especially back when we were talking about things that are free, like Drag Challenge coverage and also podcasts, mate, do you want to announce the new competition that we're supposed to be announcing? It's funny, I was listening just like a back episode, I think it was Sweet 16, just the other day, and here we are talking about we're going to announce our new competition. That was four episodes ago, and we still haven't done it. Like, we're just the masters of sidetracks, aren't we? Well, I was going to do it, but I couldn't be asked. Oh, fair enough, mate. But do you want to look announce a new competition? We've actually got some really cool people on board to help us judge this, and we're really thankful for that as well. So, mate, do you want to give everyone a bit of a rundown? What we're going to do is uh, hot on the heels of uh, Generation Y of the Year, which was Nay Cheese with her tunnel. We're going to do a contest in a generational contest based loosely around father and son builds. But, I mean, it can be daughter, mother, any intergenerational, you know, your, your uncle... Uh, you, uh, there's basically no rule just as long as it's intergenerational. It's like not with your brother. It's with like the next generation yeah. or above. And we're going to get a few judges involved. So I spoke to Damien and Pete and Jason Lowe. That's, they're from Lowe Engineering. Chubby, of course, is Damo, and then Jason's his very talented brother. And Pete's their dad who built that wild VBVK. So I oh, the blue Commodore. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and these guys like Damo's an encyclopedia. Jason's a hell of a nice guy. So I thought I asked him, said, "Would you judge?" So if we get enough entries, I might get them guys, that crew, to judge best Commodore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So, but, yeah. Um, if, who did if you, you get, get enough? Yeah. You, you, you are engaged in judges too. Who did you get? 
Mate, speaking to a couple of people, first up is uh, Shannon Herod and his Mrs. Brianna, who built that fantastic 253 Blowen Mark One Escort, the green one, Tough 253. They're on board and they're the perfect, I guess, example of a, a couple's build. Although they may not be intergenerational, they still did it together. But in saying that, they did actually build that with help from Brianna's dad. So that works out pretty well. So we've got them on board to um, help us judge that. And also happy uh, Mark Williams of the happy one ton of fame. He, of course, I'll tell you what, mate, wasn't that a freaking tearjerker of a story? (laughs) Mate, finishing that that one tonner with his dad who passed away just as he was leaving to go to Summonats with it and he took out grand champion of of that. So we've got Mark on board as well uh, with his Mrs. Rachel who's obviously a a renowned car builder in her own right and a a spray painter. So we've got them on board too. So the people are going to be judging the competition and look, I've got to say... It's, it's, it's going to be very difficult to judge because everyone who does these sort of generational builds, they're all winners. It's like, God, I sound like a wanker, but I'm serious. They're all winners because it's just that thing. It's going to be really hard to pick the best of that because it's obviously something that's done that it means a lot to those particular people. So we're not trying to in any way discount anyone who's done that and hats off to everyone who does. Look, I just know myself as I built a Valiant Ute for my dad a few years ago when he was really crook and... um. You know, that probably doesn't mean much in the scheme of things for a lot of people, but it's just something that, you know, brought him and I really close together. So it's that kind of thing where it all means a lot to each people, but I guess we're just going to try and play this competition off. And look, anyone who enters, we're going to make sure we post pictures of what you've done and acknowledge and make sure that, you know, you guys get the recognition you deserve for it. And, but I'm sure there's like standout stories and, and things like that which are probably going to push the envelope, but it is going to be very tough for the judges, which is probably why we aren't judging it personally. Yeah, no. How's that for get our jail free card? It just comes on the back of, <clears throat> it got me thinking around uh, JZ350 when that story popped up. Was it earlier this year or the late last year? The rebuild on JZ350 when they first, when, when they first took it in? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that got, yes, late last year. Yeah, it got yeah. me thinking along that father and son and then just, Talking with uh, Damo, he's telling me uh, about some stuff he done with his dad. Then you mentioned, no, you didn't mention. I found it in an old street machine. I was just cruising through an old mag, and I found the story of your dad's uh, Valiant Ute. Oh yeah, so, yeah. So that's what kind of sealed the deal. And of course, my brother and his son Nigel and Robert, constant builders. They're always building something in the shed, so it's always pretty fun. So I just thought, um, yeah, we'll throw it out there and have some fun, and we'll have some fun. We will definitely have some fun with this. Yeah, perfect. No, it sounds like the go to me. And speaking of fun, mate, we should probably kick on with some Bible studies. You ready? Let it rip, potato chip. Okay, Street Machine Magazine, November 2018. As I was sort of alluding to earlier, what an awesome cover of this magazine. The fact that, like I said, backing up two issues with black cars in the front. I haven't seen that done before with matching colours. So, mate, what do you? what's your take on the cover? The cover, righto. Let me... Uh, sorry, I've just got to flick. Ah. Did I, catch, did I catch you off guard? I'm going to own this cover, hold this whole cover thing before you know it. You're just it. giving it up to me. You don't realise. I was cleaning. What happened, righto? This, uh, this magazine, because I work away... I, that's another thing. I work away, so I at the moment I'm on the cycle. It's the opposite of the magazine, so it comes into the shops when I'm at work. So I work remote, so I can't get hold of the magazine till I get back. So everybody starts shooting me stuff like you. Everybody starts check out this, check out this. And Brett Abraham, car 35, just sends the cover and goes, "This fucking thing looks like it could spin the front wheels." <laughs> the XY. <laughs> when you have a look at the photo, it has a bit of a, a darky coming out of the front wheel there. It looks it looks pretty cool, but. What amazed me the most with it is how big and bold and out there the whole front cover is. The As a Party Design Street Machine font, and it's been there forever. The yes. Bad, the bad yep. to the bone font underneath it is as big. I mean, it's as there's a street. Yeah, that's right. And it's got Save the Classic, which is a piss. That's piss funny. I mean, that's, that's you know, wreck the classic, save the classic. Uh, the other thing is we talked about exclamation marks with broads, and I think Telf has only put three in here, so I'm going to help him out. If you have a look, there's one last chance. There's one yeah. track two three. No, he's got four there. So I know how to, Broads had four as well. I'm gonna have to make his five. If you take your finger and put over the N in street machine, your little finger. Uh, yeah. You, yep. can, turn that, you yep. can turn that I into an exclamation mark. 
So I've coloured mine in. Oh, fuck, I'm totally lost. So what am I doing? Putting my little finger over the N in Street no, Machine. Right, so you know the Street Machine font, the I. If you turn the I, if you block out some of the I, like colouring in someone's tooth on a photo, you can make it an exclamation mark. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. No worries. That funny, hey, that's that a pretty clever way to do it. Yeah, nice. I like it. Yeah, no, for like me, it. that's what the cover is. It's big and bold. And actually, I've written, I've written something here that was decent. Uh, so when I, I went into the shop to pick it up, so just... To have a look at the black XY on the front and the font, I just wanted to compare it. So I had a look at some other magazines that were there. There was a silver VK on ASC magazine on the cover of it. On yeah. On the front yep. of uh, VL Tuna, there was an LS. Oh, have I got that backwards? <laughs> Sorry, not on, <laughs> not on the front of LS Tuna. On the front of LX Tuna, there's a VL. Right. MX5 on the front of the Wheels magazine. And uh, there was a grey Camaro Tudor HSV on the front of Motor magazine. Cruising had a big block for a uh, 40s coupe. Uh, mm-hmm. And it had it, it had an interesting tagline on that cover as well. Cruise and it's got saved from a restorer <laughs> on that car. Nice. So I just had, yeah. When I looked at it visually in the shops, it blew everything away on the, as far as the covers. I mean, it was, there's a massive yeah, okay. MX5 on wheels. That's fucking tops. But no, I just thought it was a pretty cool cover. One of one of the better ones. That's a very nice comparison, mate. I must say. I'm very polite. It's a it's a fucking weakness. You can't know it. <laughs> Fair enough. Can you give me your thoughts on the cover, please? You know, I spend more time on the cover these days than any other part of the magazine because I'm always trying to impress you. All right, the cover shot is Bobby Machevsky's Black XY sedan, as we've spoken about. Now, let me just run some numbers by you before we do much else. 400 cube Windsor, one turbo, 784 at 177 miles an hour, weighs 4,230 pounds, which is 1,919 kilograms for the younger folk, the metric system, or that's 210 kilogram weights for the Gen Y tradies and their utes with the black wheels and the personalized number plates. Look, first of all, the shot of it driving off into the sunset, it's got some sort of, if you add some sort of magic eye hologram to that, it should be Bobby giving the finger to any people who knock the car or anybody who knocks Street Machine magazine saying that they don't print street cars. So if you just kind of blur your eyes, the famous BYE, blur your eyes, look at the cover. You can almost, if you look sort of around where the, the roll cage meets the A-pillar, you can almost see it almost feels like he's giving the finger out of the rear view mirror. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Spot. I, I can see it between, and, between the body pillow and the roll cage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like he's giving the finger to all the haters and all the knockers, and good on you, Bobby. I would be too. You know, that car's tough as friggin' a servo pie, whatever you call it. And, I mean, look, Dandy Engines, they've got prize for building super quick Falcons, like street trim stuff, doing sevens, and this car just takes it to another level as well. And I think that's what makes this car stand out. And as I was just saying before, anybody who knocks cars like this, saying that they're not true street machines or true street cars... I've got friggin' two words for you, and that's drag challenge. Seriously, it doesn't get much better as far as I'm concerned. It's the perfect mix of a drag car, like competitive drag car, mind you, street machine, and also show car because it's beautifully finished inside and out. That was kind of the part one of my three-part cover series. The next thing I want to mention is the fact that David Rawnsley's VG Pacer hardtop, I love how it's on there with a Save to Classic, as you mentioned before, especially going against all the Rector Classic wankers that seem to infiltrate the gas scene. And I, I think, as far as I know, it's the first time I've ever seen a rooted car on a magazine cover, as far as it's just like the shell of a car. I'm sure probably over the years there's been hot rod magazines or maybe restored cars. Perhaps they have had a photo of like vintage tin. But as far as like a car that we're very familiar with our generation, I don't ever remember seeing uh, like a just a, a basically a, a a bare shell on the co- cover of a magazine. Even Survivor Car Australia, I don't think even they go down that path, and they're probably gobsmacked anyway by this. And thirdly, four words that I just know are going to make you pop like a gasket, mate. So just brace yourself for this: Barra powered HZ Ute. Which, if you translate this using the TTS language dictionary, like the Thong Slapper language dictionary, those words, Barra Powered, 8 said Ute, translates to being hashtag fuck the purists. Well, <laughs> right at. Are you speechless? The, You're speechless. The I know what you think about that Ute. Like, I freaking love it. The problem with that Ute but is I know what you think the about Ute's it. great and everything, but it's like a Barra engine. It's like, to me, it's like a dick. 
I'm probably not going to like it. I've probably never had one, so I can't say I don't like it. But I'm probably never going to try a dick, <laughs> and I'm never going to try a barra. I'm pretty sure I won't fucking like either of them. I mean, HZU, you've got a 186-202-Triple Webber. You've got a fucking 253-308-350 big block. You put a Ford 6 in it. Sounds like a fart and a mass test, them barras. <laughs> All right, let me let me transfer that another way. Simon buys an LJ Tirana two-door, one of his dream cars. Actually, it'd be an LJ with LC tail lights, and I fit a Hemi 265 Valiant engine to it. So I remove the Holden red six-cylinder, and I fit a Chrysler six-cylinder. What are you going to say about I'm that? I'm going to say you've got the fattest and coolest LJ Tirana going because it's a Hemi six. Look, I mean, I love the concept, as you know, and like I said, I just put in the same categories, maybe doing a Hemi 265 into a Tirana, as far as just mixing and matching what you think works for a car that you want for yourself. And it's definitely not something that's been done to death either. Look, me personally, I probably would have painted this like a a different colour. Like I would have gone maybe, and when I say this, like the colours scheme he's done, it's definitely individual. Like I've never seen anything else done like that. And I do love the sand barrel across the tailgate. But as in, I'd probably paint it some sort of really common or really popular, well-known XR Falcon colour, like that purple or the lime green. I'd really try and put a bit more of the whole Ford thing into that by painting it like XR8 or XR6 Falcon colour. That's just me. Exactly, like some sort of green or purple or something that you really, whenever you see the colour, you link it straight back to an XR6 or XR8. That's probably the only thing I maybe would have done a bit different, but I think it's a great car. Excellent so, car. Absolutely crazy how well that thing's built. The photos, is it Jordan that took the photos? Yes. Yep. They're right out of control. But I mean, it's in a magazine that's full of strong photos this week, uh, this, this month. So what yeah. else I've seen in the magazine as well, which is in one of the ads. Uh, what's Chris Christo's son's name? First name? Reese. Reese, yeah. I think. Reese Castello's, uh, is it XR, XT, that black thing with the big block, the 427? Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's in one of the pages. You just ran an ad from a machine shop or something. You know, and that kind of remind me a little bit of the cover car, you know, that same Windsor Toughness, black XY, XW, XR kind of setup. That's a very interesting point. It's something I'm going to mention when we talk about some um, Action Jacksons and the like. But firstly, before we hit that, that stride, have you got a rig of the month for me, I mate? sure do. It's the same as my poster child. It's King SLR. Oh, is that summer plate? The light blue yeah, one. That, that, that's awesome. It's uh, Jason Sanders' Alex Sedan with a Donovan, a Donovan small block in it. Yeah, it's super tough, oh, isn't it? The yeah. way that he's written some of the stuff, some of the I think they call them captions in the magazine, and some of the stuff they've they've shot back to us. It's uh, listen, this for a quote. I like the way Tiranas were done in the eighty in the nineteen eighties. The half cage, the Recaro seats, the cinnamon rims, and all that. That was one of the captions. That's pretty cool. Oh, listen, can I just say with this car? It is one of probably the coolest coloured Tiranas I've ever seen. I freaking love that colour. It just works so beautifully on that car, and it's a credit to him and you know the, the people who helped him out with the build, family and stuff. I think that you look at the undercarriage, how clean that is, and the engine bay detailing, and that colour just works. It will never be another Tirana like it as far as you will never confuse it with another Tirana. It's just stamped an identity and individuality for it. You know, look, I've spoken to this. This is well before we ever did Thong Slappers. I remember saying to you one of the things that I just love about 80-style SLR Tiranas. Mesh headrest front and rear, like on your Recaros, and the way that the half cage bends around the headrest on the back. Mate, it's just... This car's got this. The first thing I look for when I flick the magazine open, the first thing I look for is to see where the roll cage went. It goes around the headrest. So a massive thumbs up to Jason. I, I think it's an indication of the... Of, uh, yeah. One thing, the colour that threw me straight to the, to the colour, what I like about the colour, is if we take the rear spoiler off, see the SLR 5000 spoiler? Yeah, on the boot lead, yeah. If we take that off the rear, it's just throwing me gently back to uh, Mark Saunders' RPM Tirana, the blue one with the uh, V5 Simmons, different Simmons, but still Simmons, you know that blue car? Oh, yeah, with the Rover yeah. um, V8 motor, the LOV8, That's yeah. That's kind of a totally different style, like that guy's saying his Recaro headrests and... Um, uh, Mark Saunders went against that when he built his. He went the Rover engine and he went the kind of the different route, no drop tank and stuff, but just the colour. And how fat would that be if you remove the rear spoiler off that Tirana? It's a bit of a, a point back to the, the way they've done it. Yeah. Well, look, in the next episode, we're sort of talking about 988 and some of the cars from that. And one thing I did notice about a lot of the 1988 Street Machine featured builds of Tiranas were the number of cars that had they had the flares, they had the front spoiler, but they didn't have the rear bobtail or the rear spoiler. So it's kind of a, it's definitely a style of its own too. And look, 
I was actually going to mention this is in a um, oh, what do you call it? What's that section we do of this where it's special mention? Was just I'll just quickly talk about it now while we're here. Page ninety, the top photo of the undercarriage. It's got the side exit like the side pipes. Yeah, it's basically two pipes going to a muffler out the side. Thanks yeah, for coming. That for special How mention. awesome would. Yeah, it'd just sound incredible, I reckon, that also, thing. Also, I, like I like the production of the photo as well. I like what the photo is, but I like how they put it in the, in the magazine as well. That's a tricky one to put in the magazine, isn't it? It is, and that's probably the cleanest hoist I've ever seen. So my, you know, definitely whoever owns that hoist that they've taken the photo on, my hat goes off to you. That was just, you know, it's a credit to you and your ability to keep your workshop clean. Yeah, I, um, I picked that as a special mention as well. Yeah, nice. Listen, I am going to say one thing about the car, and look, I'm going to give Jason open opportunity. If he ever meets me in person, I'll give you free range to punch me in the face or kick me in the nuts. And the reason I say that is because I hate the person that I'm about to sound like. I hate what who I'm about to be. But I just want to mention this. And look, I guess I'm trying to go around this nicely. But I just, I love this car, don't get me wrong, I love this car, but I feel like one of these fuckwits who's going to shake your hand and pat your back and then knee you in the balls about something, like, yeah, I love you, blah, blah, blah. However, the only thing I'm going to say is, and this is only because of what got ingrained to me as a kid about Tiranas with flares, there's only one thing, the slightest thing I would change on this car would be I'd just have to put either wider rims on the back or give it more offset out. I think at the moment it's already got 10s on the back, is it? Just have a look at the specs. Yeah, 18 by 10s. I'd have to go to 18 by 12s. I just, I have this this mental thing that I need to have flares on Tiranas on the back. The front's fine, but on the back, the tyres need to be level with the flare, like the edge of the flare. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They've got to fill the flared guard right up. So my apologies, Jason. If I sound like a wanker, I agree with you. And I love your car. I'm not trying to take a, you know any of the shine off it. But just me personally, I just have to pump that, that rim and tyre right out to that edge of that guard. And that would just... just you know, I'd just be find, losing my shit. I think we have to find neutral ground somewhere where we feel a bit decent about saying stuff like that because we're obviously not going to put up anybody chopping somebody else's car or whatever. But there is, I'm the same way. When I see some stuff on cars, I think, yeah, I'd like to say that on the podcast, but I don't want to turn into a bit, a bit of an apologist. I think people are going to be pretty decent with us. We're not going to be the guy that looks at the magazine and it's got the wrong wheels, the wrong colour. We're going to kind of try and give our opinion and we're just thong stuff because we're not judges, we're not anybody which so I think yeah. healthy yeah. for you to be able to say that you don't have to fully go into it as an you know apologize and just go hey I think if them wheels sit out that's that's pretty fat look the only reason I say that is because I just don't want to sound like a hypocritical cunt. like I have a I have a valiant panel van with a trans am front I know what it's like to cop shit about cars and I don't just don't want to be that kind of person who is praising the shit out of it because I honestly believe it deserves the praise but then to sort of pull back and say oh but hang on mate I'd probably just do this and this that just for me like I love the car it's my favourite Toronto on the scene at the moment bar none and I just there's something about that it's just because I've got like this visual mental you know imbalance where things just have to visually look 100% except if you look at me I'm fucking rough as guts I could do with a shave and lose a few kilos don't worry but I'm just saying that's just something with that car that just stood out to me and again I don't want to be running his parade ah that's cool a, um, it's a current topic for us at the moment because Bull and Robert are putting the uh, on FU umbrella are putting the group C Big Banger kit onto Nigel's VK it's a white VK with a 5 litre in it oh it fucking looks awesome too yeah, I've seen some build up photos yeah but what they've been doing They've just had to cut up some rims, some bits and pieces, just make some pretend rims for it because it's exactly what I, I, my skin pricked up when you said that. That's what they're saying. They say the wheels have to meet the tyres or we're not doing it. So they're, they're trying to find the right offset. And it's funny. Have you ever had anything to do with them? I'm not very good at them. Have you ever had anything to do with them? Fucking forums online? Mate, you probably shouldn't get me down this honey hole of conversation, forums and Facebook and asking questions. Yeah. No, I've had some bad experiences. So, yeah. Well, neither Robert, Nigel or Bull or myself, we don't. So we get on this forum, we're all sitting around the computer. What is wrong with people that don't know the answer? So the question was, can anybody suggest a few rim sizes that might fill out, blah, blah, our, our big banger, this has got a five litre in it, this, uh, it's got a nine inch in it, this bit's, we want to run 16 inch wheels. How many people answer with this? Well, I've never done it, but maybe you should try 10 by 8s. I said, tell that fuckhead, if he's never done it, don't answer. <laughs> and then Robert and I were going, oh, this is too fucking hard, whatever. So we just made up, they made up some dummy rims that, you know, removable sand, just out of some steel. 
to yeah, really kind yeah. of get where with the offset sitting. But that's that's the thing with with forums. I mean, how many guys answer it with a disclaimer and say, "Well, you know, it's could be any. How do I change a washer? Well, I've never done one, but would you consider undoing the pipe? You know, if you've never done it, cut it." Yeah, look, it's definitely one of those things that it gets very complicated very quickly. I, on one of the Facebook Holden pages, I had a simple question, right? We've obviously, as you know, we're rebuilding St. Lucie's E8, as I've spoken about on the podcast before. As a result of a massive crash from a, a red light running drink driver wiping her out, we have to replace everything from the windscreen forward, including the subframe. Now, remembering an E8 is 54 years old now, so getting parts isn't as easy as it used to be, right? So we ended up getting an EJ front subframe for it. And I'm having a good close eyeball because hers is absolutely stuffed. And I'm having an eyeball between the two subframes, making sure to seeing what I have to do to, to use the EJ one and the EH. Just a couple of simple things. It looks the handbrake bracketry is a little bit different. A couple of little differences here and there as far as the, the little um, the stays, like the tabs that hold your brake lines in place where you go from steel to rubber. A few little things. So I put a simple query up on one of the EH... Uh, EJ Facebook pages just saying hey listen hey this is what we're doing explained it can someone you know am, am I on the right track I don't know a lot about these cars I'm a valiant man so I'm happy to learn the number of fuckwit replies I got like people saying oh, just use an EH subframe yeah well that's easier said than done mate you find me one that for a 54 year old car that's in you know repairable condition I will that's close to home so I can actually pick the fucking thing up and then one guy's going what are you going to do about the numbers, mate? It's an EJ. You can't use an EJ frame and an EH. Well, your numbers are going to be wrong. You'll never get registration. And I'm like, well, you know, for starters, that's not your fucking problem. And secondly, I've already looked into all that for surrogate numbers and the like. So that's not my question. You know, you got every answer but what you actually were asking. Yeah. And in the end, I discovered, thought, you know what? I'm going to go back to what I used to do. I'm either going to ask a trusted friend or someone in the know that will steer me in the right direction, or I'm just going to trust my own fucking judgment. I've got two subframes there. I'll change this and I'll change that. And I'll just make it work. Simple as that. You know, but you put it out there and it's 90% fuckwit responses compared to 10% people who are actually genuinely helpful and you can appreciate what they're saying. Yeah. And yeah, asking someone like that for a big banger kit, Let's be honest, there's not a lot of people who would have done that. So, yeah, I guess they were kind of playing from fire from fire playing with fire from day dot with that, unfortunately. Right, just right back. Yeah, good chat, mate. Thanks. I just... Uh, <laughs> good chat, mate. Yeah, thanks. Um, oh, where are, we going? Where, where are we up to? What have I got? Rig of the month. We're just talking about your rig of the month, mate. Sorry, I got a sidetrack. Uh, my, yeah, I've already done my rig of the month. It's the uh, King SLR. The only thing is... I'm not sure with one of the photo shoots how the number plate attaches to the back, whether that's a novelty plate that is screwed on, but it's a bit funny. But, uh, yeah, I enjoy it. It's got a Donovan small block in it. They're going to dry sump it. It looks immaculate, and I like how he, he, he points back to the 80s with it. Most definitely. Another thing, too, just about that story, like the artistic layout, I love the way that through the story they've got those 80s-style graphics. Like It looks yeah. like a bit of Rock 3 has been put on there. Yep. That's really cool, too. That's a nice touch. So from the graphic art side of things, I think it looks really cool. What's your rig of the month? Uh, okay. Now, I chose Dave Rawnsley's VG Pacer hardtop. Um, that's the one that's on the cover of the bare shell. The one, of course, that's riddled with bullet holes and dents and damaged. And <laughs> Dave, he actually retrieved this car from the middle of nowhere. He lives in Alice Springs and was able to retrieve it from one of the properties around there. The tenacity that Dave put into this build and the... You know, look... I actually followed the build of this car on a couple of the Valiant pages, and I know Dave pretty well, so I was intrigued from the from the word go with what he was going to do with it and how he was going to do it. And the thing I really admire with this build and with this project is that he actually went to a lot of trouble to get the right parts for it. Like the engine, for example, it's a Hemi 245. It's actually a proper Pacer engine, so it has the proper prefix that denotes it as being a Pacer engine. He even went to the trouble of buying Pacer front bucket seats, which are like fucking rocking horse poo, and they must they cost thousands. Like they, If you can find a pair, you'll pay through the nose for them. So he's gone to this level of detail. He's put so much proper Pacer stuff back into it. Even buying hubcaps these days isn't exactly cheap. And I don't know, I just I just love the way that he's left this car in this kind of condition and he's going to go through the process of getting it street registered. So I guess for me personally, I'd walk past a lineup of Concourse Restored Paces to look at this car specifically. I think it looks really cool and my hat's off to him for, you know, I guess sticking with that build. And 
Like, when you consider how much of the car was missing when he first got it, he sourced guards, doors, and all this other stuff in that proper factory mustard colour. Like, I remember him advertising, putting the feelers out, wanting these these parts. So he actually spent the money and time sourcing this stuff from all over Australia. He was looking for shabby-looking... You know, none of that car's got new paint on it as far as, like, the main panels and stuff go. He sourced parts that were in that particular colour from the factory, which I think is really cool. Wouldn't it be cool to rock up, what it reminds me of, wouldn't it be cool to rock up to a big prize of the day or something with Arby and poor 440 rattling its head off, and in that thing... Just get out of it and like park in the line of all the pristine cars, them two cars, and point to Arby's and point to them and goes, Oh, that's what we do. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. It's funny. I guess looking at that, there's actually hope for Blue Crush yet. But I guess the big difference is, is that Blue Crush is absolutely rotten to the core. That being the, the Blue Cross, the panel van that's sitting in my backyard, that thing is rusted to the eyeballs. Whereas, you know, Dave was saying that Pacer Hardtop was pretty rust-free. It's funny, the other night he sent me a couple of photos and he goes, I knew I shouldn't have been looking. He's found a similar condition, genuine HQ Sandman Ute, purple with the white eyelid stripes. That's absolutely rooted. Same deal as far as it's got bullet holes, it's got dents, it's got damage. And he's like, oh, no, no, I can't do this again. But I hope he does. That'd be awesome too. Leave it in that condition. Long way from home, mate. Sandman at Alice Springs. I like it. That's what I think I said said originally. The way that Arby described his building. I'm just going to put the cash into the drive chain. So, I mean, that's the same kind of outcome for the visual. Look at the car. You don't have to spend the seventy grand like you would spend seventy grand to restore a Monaro or to restore a Tron or to restore um, a Falcon X Y something. So, but these guys, they're just, you know what? Let's just do it at our level and enjoy it. I don't doubt the amount of money, dedication, and work that went into that uh, charger. I don't yeah. doubt that pacer. I don't doubt for pacer. one second. Mm. Pacer. I don't doubt for one second that was cheap or easy at all. Probably more tricky than a small block and a coated jam. You know what I mean? To, to get what he's trying to Exactly. Do. Dead right. And especially, too, the remoteness of where he is as far as it's not like you're on the East Coast and you can sort of ship parts a lot easier. A lot of work went into doing that side of it as well. And at the end of the day, it's like something you you'd spoke about with Lio 5 a couple of episodes ago. He's built this car. Not only is it a full feature car in Street Machine magazine, it made the cover. Sure enough, it was just a bare shell, but it made the cover of the magazine as well. So good on you, Dave. Awesome work. It's healthy for everybody. It's healthy for him, healthy for us, healthy for good folk at Street Machine magazine. That's right. That's right. Okay, mate, you've got some Action Jacksons that you'd like to talk about. Uh, uh, An Action Jackson. Page 81. Did you see the lady in the front engine drags to gold digger? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the, like the, doing the cackling of the pipes. Do you want to read that caption or do you want me to read it? It's fucking crazy. You can read it. A couple of lucky punters won the raffle to sit inside the replica gold digger FED for the crackle fire up on Saturday night. The band literally stopped playing as everyone left their shed for the spectacle. Jump in it, love, and fire it up. And she goes, right, I'll do it. How much fun would that be? That would be I, when you go out, you love hearing bands. You love hearing like a... Something gear driven or blown drives past. It's a real, it's a real sound thing, you know. Like if you hear, you know, it's it's also a, a audible thing. And it was, imagine hearing that monster. Oh yeah, and the smile on her face. You can tell she's having a great time. Good on her. Eight four fifty four. The GT on page one twenty one. Oh yes, the XA. Yeah. How tough is that? It's fucking. Look at the rear tires and the friggin' thing. A massive. There's heaps of other photos. Is going to pick up as. Has been on the bindies, but I just like the way that thing's getting pants. And I like the Falcon above it. They're both kind of similar model cars. That's a that's a good little page actually. I've got um for a tough shot. I went two ways. I I fully legitimately picked the cover. Okay. Yeah. No. Nice. Yeah. I can understand that for sure. The so most special mention, Danny Board, uh, Danny Board's Blue Meanie Ute on page fifty four, getting pants. That's that brilliant. Oh, the VK. Yeah. Yeah, the late, the late model on the Ute. The, that getting yeah, the VK um, doing a massive burnout. Yep. That's cool. The, uh, we mentioned the floor pan on page 90. That might be it for me. Just uh, Action Jackson, page 74, XW Ute in the paddock. Have a look at that. Oh, page 51. Yeah, that looks pretty fun, doesn't it? Just out there into it. Oh, mate, it's funny you mention that. That's actually my first Action Jackson choice was page 51, that XY just 
yeah, broadsiding in the grass. I just love seeing people getting out and using their stuff for orders. And it looks like it's got pretty decent paint and everything too, so good on them. As usual, I couldn't pick just one, so if you bear with me, I'll just give you a quick run through of my other ones. Page 74, the Blaster 57 Chev launching, and Chris Thurgood did a photo of it just doing this big gnarly wheel stand at the nostalgia meet. That's very cool. It's over the bendies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Page 77, the Dirty Harry FX. I love the chrome wheels on the back with white lettering as it's hauling ass down the track, and it's still got the old wide fives on the front. I think that's very cool. One page? But I must... Page um, 77, middle of the page on the left. Dirty Harry FX. Yeah, sweet. That is cool. Very cool. And lastly, and the actual the one that was number one for me, page 80, Steve Hunt's XW Pano, the white one with the Cleveland. That yeah. thing just pulling yeah. a wheel stand. I fucking love panel vans doing burnouts and wheel stands. You cannot get a better combination. And the thing I too, and this goes for all XR to XYs, and you'll see a lot of this in the magazines, especially with some of the real tough combos you've got getting around. They always look cool because you can always see, just through their design and the steering geometry, the tie rods are always hanging down really low. That's when you know it's really launching hard. You see the tie rods hanging yeah. low. Can you see that on page 80? I definitely and can, yep. It's something just draws my attention to that era of Falcon all the time when they're wheel standing. Is When the tie rods are hanging down like that, you know that it's, it's really hooking up nice. So, um, special yeah, mentions, right. I've got six of the fucking things, man. Sorry. I just oh, I get all excited and hey, all the rest of it. That's what, that's, it's just, that's what we're here for. Okay. Page 16. Dean Walding's Pulsator FX Gas Attribute. I think it looks tough and it looks like a lot of fun. Flick page. over to page 20. Oh, sorry. That was page 16. Yep. Yeah, it is. It's tough. It's a small block too, isn't it? Yep, sure is. Flick over to page 20. You'll see the snapshots yep. on uh, Lane Parsons. He's a friggin' top bloke, Lane Parsons. Good guy. G'day, Lane. I actually did this snapshot story. If you look at photograph one, it shows Lane with his brothers, Kim, and his other brother, Darren, and they're working with their dad, Neville. Three, and this photo's taken, like, years ago. They're all helping the old man pull the motor out of the Morris panel van. Like, that's such old-school family cool, isn't it? The kid hanging out the windscreen. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. What a great shot. And I know, look, having um, spoken to uh, June Parsons, that's Lane's mum, that's one of the ho- the photos she holds sort of nearest and dearest. So she's a lovely lady, great family too. Really enjoyed doing stories on, on them over the last few issues. So it's been great. I'll, uh, Neville, of course, he was the guy, he was the police uh, mechanic. He was a forensic mechanic for the police back in the 60s and provided all those fantastic, or um, his family provided all those fantastic photos of crashed cars from that time. Yeah, I remember that. Remember, yeah, may right. remember from, yeah, sure. Flick over to page 31, the story on Jeff Pye from J&J, fuel injection specialist. It yep. shows his, at the top, it's his, the new Holden V80s building. It's got the intake on it from Bliss Custom Engineering. That intake, like I actually saw that engine in person, and that intake, it just, it just, it, you can almost, like even though the engine's sitting on a stand, it's sitting still, you can almost hear it like sucking you in. Like, <gasps> and <laughs> whenever I look at that photo, it reminds me of that movie, The Transformers, when he first gets that Camaro, when it's the old style Camaro, and the chick who apparently knows everything about cars, he pops the bonnet, and you hear that, mm, it makes this noise as he pops the bonnet, you see the engine when you just know something's not normal. It's not just a normal crappy old small block in there. There's something, it just, whenever I see that photo, I think of that tune or that sound from that movie. Page 47, special mention, Daryl O'Sullivan's HK Holden Ute, the one that's in bare metal currently for the feature. Yep, yep. Okay, this thing uses the wagon rear bar and a modified rear pan, which is a modification I freaking love on this era of HKTG Holdens, utes and vans. And I actually first saw that on a, a panel van called Green Knight, which won Australia's top panel van back in 1979, built by Greg Hocking. And I don't know, I just love that. And I also love the fact that he's used an HJ, oh, sorry, HG Brougham upper grill in the car too. Like, it's not just your normal using an HK front and a stock HK rear. He's actually doing a little bit of custom work to it and mixing and matching a few of the parts, which is always fantastic to see. But you just don't see people do that much these days. And I, I really like that. Um, page 62, the interior of Matt Salvador's XM. 
it looks to be I think the I don't know it's not red velvet I know but the 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 hood lining looks to be kind of like a velvety finish I, I love that interior I think it's it's something different it looks very good and lastly page 137 is Lewis Cromie's Falcon he's got a uh, mercury grill in it I think that grill just looks super cool it's just a nice yeah, little neat touch neat modification that was nearly my reader's ride Oh, really? Okay, it's a cool thing. I love the way he calls it a wing. Like the guards, he calls them wings like a true Englishman. <laughs> it's like our uh, English correspondent, Rich. He's like that, calling them wings. And I think wings is fantastic. G'day, Rich. Hope you keep him well, mate. Tough shots. Very quickly. Page 8, the Twister HR on the burnout yep. pad. The guy standing on the roof. Great shot. <laughs> Page 14, there's a back sort of three-quarter view of a silver HK Monaro on auto drags. And also, page 36, uh, we've spoken a bit about Bobby's XY. The number plate's bad XY. Yes, it is. That is definitely the correct way to describe it. So, um, moving on from that, Red, what was your reader's rocket? My reader's rocket's on page 145. It's Shane's HZ1 Tunner. Okay, yep. Let's uh, flick into that now, mate. Yep, go for it. Um, you can I see. I sent that photo in. Yeah, that's the guy I was working with. Uh, well, I was working at the same place as him, and that used to park in the car park every day, and I just went over and had a yarn, and he's about 50 years old, and he goes, oh, we just threw it together with some parts I'd left over from a couple of cars. I really like it. It's a 253 four-speed with an eight-ball gear stick knob. And very cool. I like he it. said to me the first time I asked him about the car, I guess they bury me in that. <laughs> and I do like the way well, that's awesome to hear too. I do like, the way, I do like one tonners with a flat tray. I do kind of like that look, you know, with mm. a tub and everything, but for, for that specific kind of car, like Happy or Toy Tum, some of the bigger bigger cars that have to do it as cool. But I also do like the one tonnes with a nice flat tray, and have a look at the wheel guards on that. If everyone wanted to put, you know, 1,100 double-coin truck tyres on it, they'd fit. <laughs> That's right. And another feature I like of that, Statesman front, but he's also got the Statesman seal trim. That's probably been trimmed down to suit the length of the one tonne cab. I think that's a nice touch as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty cool car. What's your readers ride? Uh, just back a page, mate. Corey Pascoe's HQ Ute. I'm a sucker for a big block. And, yeah, love the colour. Love the big block power. That pretty much sealed the deal for me on that one, mate. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Did you have a poster child for this I one? I did. Uh, the SLR 5000, straight up. Oh, of course. That, yep, I was the same. So Before we used to do the podcast, waiting for Street Machine to come out, it feels like that you get it, and it feels like the longest time ever until the next one comes out. But now that we've got, we're on a time yeah. scale, we try and <clears> – although we're not really affiliated, uh, affiliated with Street Machine, we try and release this to suit the magazine as best fitting our schedule as we can. Now the magazine just seems to come out all the time. You ring me or text me and say, it's out again next Thursday. Wow. <laughs> that's when right having well, involvement, I just couldn't wait for it to come out and I was like oh my again well the thing is too is that we you know whether people do or not we like to leave enough time for people to get a copy of the magazine yeah. so they can actually sit down and listen to the podcast and flick through the magazine at the same time so they know exactly what the fuck we're talking about but also leave enough time that if people like what we're talking about on the podcast they can still actually go and buy it from the shop we try to, I guess, plonk our podcast about halfway from it being released to when it's actually going to be off the shelves and replaced by the new issue. So that's kind of the timeline we work on, and um, most of the time it seems to work okay, I reckon. What do you yeah, that just, you do all the legwork, and I mean, it's, it's a lot of work you do to get that thing released, so it's not, it doesn't sound just like us ranting and raving. You cut out, I reckon one day we should release the black issues where you and I just go on rants that are so funny and fucking illegal that we can't, you know, we have to cut them out and we haven't played them. Fuck, there's some fun ones there. I was listening the other day. <laughs> Oh, mate. Yeah, look, the the problem is trying to cut out all the cuts. That's the, that's the thing that would take the longest amount of time. You'd have sore hands from clapping so much, that's well, for you, sure. When one of us go back and stop after about four minutes and go, fuck, can you please out of that? I didn't mean, I don't want to get my fucking house burnt down. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the difference between doing this now and our normal old school phone calls we used to have, eh? So, mate. Street Machine's going great guns as far as I'm concerned. I think the cars and the quality of each magazine, it just makes our job harder and harder, especially just even simple stuff like action shots. There's so many great photos and great cars people are building. I don't think the scene's been healthier in, you know, for a very long time. But, mate, that actually wraps us up for episode 20. Again, already, can you believe we talked this much shit? And it's more than an hour already. 
it's good though. It's uh, it's what we like doing. A couple of people have been telling me the same thing. They like getting the magazine and sitting in front of it and having a yarn about it. And then just what happened to me the other day is I end up talking on the same day to Tim Barrett, to Matty Waters, to Brett Abraham. Just actual phone calls to you. When when this madness hits you about cars, it's it's unavoidable. You just want to talk cars, and it's crazy to give a few of these guys a ring or they give me a ring. And we just this is what this podcast is about. It's about the cars. Yeah, exactly. And hey, look, just on that too, we're after a little bit of uh, listener feedback, the new competition we're running, we were sort of throwing around a couple of ideas like Generation Gap or Dad and Dave, or something to try and sort of, I guess, encompass the different generations. But if someone can send us through an idea for a name for this competition, because we're both fucked, we can't think of anything. If you can send us through a name for a competition, we'll flick you a couple of old mags in the post and throw in a couple of TTS stickers too. So, I to yeah, anyway. I can't be if, asked for the name, and you said, oh, that's fucked, Redmond. <laughs> oh, man. But look, wrapping up, our always, we have our thanks to the beautiful St. Lucy, the beautiful Queen Deborah the beautiful Simon Telford from Street Machine Magazine. We thank everyone for their input. And, um, of course, you, Redmond, it's always great having a chat. And, mate, we'll be back for episode 21 very soon. So take care, mate. I'll chat no to you problem. then. Take care. Love the family, Simon. Likewise. Good See you, mate. mate.